Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. My name is Andrew Frezza, and in today's episode, I have Mike Bledsoe on the show. Mike, you probably know from the Barbell Shrugged podcast. He had started that years ago. He's no longer involved with that, but he is involved with several projects, such as the Strong Coach and Training Camp for the Soul, which I'm actually going through right now. So we talk about all kinds of things with Mike. I'm actually really upset at myself. I forgot to record the very beginning of this interview, but Mike and I were talking a little bit about the coronavirus and his experience with it and how uh, the society really needs to take ownership of our role um, in terms of our health moving forward. And he's talking about some of the things that he's experiencing being in San Francisco and feeling like he's a caged animal out there and wanting to move out to um, some of the more rural areas and start to have more of a connection to his food, have a more connection to the land, all those kinds of things. And I first met Mike back at Paleo FX in 2015 and we I did his barbell mastermind that he ran back in like 2016, 2017, maybe the last one that he did before he got out of that. So I've known Mike for a little bit. I followed Mike for a little bit and Mike is a very interesting guy. He's had a, one of the most unique perspectives in our industry as someone who's been a coach, been a gym owner, helped a lot of gym owners out there, and now has really been focused on more the personal development side that does apply to a lot of coaches and gym owners, but is looking more at that mental, emotional, spiritual health um, that can help you guys live a better life and help a lot of your clients live a better life. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot them over at andrew at fittown.com, and I'll talk to you soon. who are really healthy are being penalized right now. And it's not about like, you know, some people may hear that and go, you know, Mike, you're being harsh. Like, don't you care about people? Aren't you compassionate? I'm like, yes, I've been compassionate my whole life. I've been, I've been trying to help you this whole time. Uh, if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't be in the business I'm in. And so there have been moments where I'm like, man, am I being an asshole? And it's like, well, actually, when I look at my entire life, my, my net contribution has been, very, very good. There's this one snapshot in time where I'm like getting a little upset with you. Uh, and, and, and I wasn't upset before because it wasn't impacting me and it wasn't impacting. Like, you know, we started off, we talking about kids. Like if I have kids, I don't want it to impact them either. You know, I want them because guess what? If I have kids, I will teach them how to be 100% responsible for their own health and how to do it well. And if, the guy down the street just wants to sit his kids in front of television, pump them full of drugs and put them in classrooms and think that that's an idea of good health. Well, I don't want my kids to have to, I don't want to have to like lower my kids uh, intellect and physical activity just because someone else chose to uh, completely remain uh, ignorant of uh, what's sitting right in front of us, which is a lot of good information. Do you think what's what's happening now is just a byproduct of that, of just like as a mass, the society is ignored this for so long that this is this is what's happening? Yeah, this is what happens with individuals. So what we what we the law of correspondence as above, so below as without as within. Right. And so we can look at what how an individual behaves and we can look at how society behaves. And so the average individual will avoid pain at all costs. You know, they'll take pills, 
they'll, uh, they'll compensate their movement to avoid feeling pain. They won't go into it. They'll spend money to avoid it. Um, and then what does that lead to? More pain. I ignore this back pain. Well, now it's going to turn into shoulder pain. It's going to turn into neck pain. It's going to turn into a headache. Oh, it's a mystery. It's not a mystery. Like you ignored the initial pain. There was a signal. Pain is a teacher. And pain is one of the greatest teachers. And so people are ignoring the lesson that pain is teaching us. And as a society, uh, people don't want to work hard. They don't want to be responsible for their health. They don't want to be responsible for their wealth. They don't want to be responsible for money. Um, uh, they want to just throw money in a 401k. They want someone else to write their paycheck. They want uh, a medical doctor to, to write a prescription to make them feel better. Um, but what's happening is we're, you know, you hear this, you know, people talk about in regard to politics, we're kicking the can down the road and just keeps getting bigger. And that's what people do as individuals. We can look at anyone who's obese, heart disease, whatever. And if we look back at their entire life, there were very clear signs early, probably in their 20s, that they're fucking up. Like every time you have a hangover, you go out <laughs> drinking, you have a hangover, that's, that's pain. That's telling you, hey, hey, dummy, don't drink so much, right? But what's the best cure for a hangover? Or what's the best, not cure, what's the best way to avoid a hangover? Drink less. Have another beer. You know what <laughs> or, I mean? Yeah, the next yeah, day drink another one. Dog, right? <laughs> yeah. like you, you wake up and you have a hangover. What's the best way to, to get a quick resolution? Quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to feel better. Have another drink. Yeah. What's that do? It just turns you into starts an alcoholic. Starts a cycle. Yeah. Yeah, it starts a cycle where you end up sick. And then it's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to die. It's like, well, of course you're going to die. You've been subsisting off alcohol instead of actual nutrients. But that's that's what we have. We have a whole society. I mean, how many people are on antidepressants in this, in our country? Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, as it relates to you specifically and how, how you fit in and you mentioned like getting out of the cage of, of the city of San Francisco, moving out to a compound, I can see the benefits of that. How much of it, how much of the pain do you intentionally bring into your life by being in a city um, like the, the way I'm thinking about it is the way we go through a tough workout at times where it's, it's intentional stress, right? It's that positive stress versus if you completely remove yourself, are you completely removing yourself from that positive stress or is it just getting it to a normal dosage? Yeah. Oh, I was, I was talking to my girlfriend before this and she was like, you know, you're here for a reason. I was complaining about it. And I was like, I know, I know, I know I'm here for, I wouldn't be here. I would not be here if I wasn't here for a reason. And part of it is to, to witness part of it is to witness and, and to get agitated. Um, you know, the agitation is really good. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I spent a whole week being depressed and angry and depressed and angry. It was like, Ugh! and it, after a week of being depressed and anger, I was able to channel that energy into, okay, well, what am I going to do about it? You know, and I have not been an advocate. I, I have not been very public about my opinions on health and fitness in a few years. Um, and I've put a lot, all my energy into training other health and fitness professionals to have to improve their business so they can reach more clients. So the net effect of my country, like I've been contributing, but it's been through that lens 
And now I've built my company to a degree where I can, I have, I personally have enough free space to start creating content around health specifically. And so, in fact, I filmed a bunch of YouTube videos yesterday. For the first time, I've intentionally filmed YouTube videos in three years. Um, and a large part of that is I got so fired up about what's going on. I was like, you know what? Instead of me talking and complaining about what I don't like, I'm going to start creating what I do want or what I think people should be doing and what I'm doing and, and, and educating. So being here has been good for me in that way. It lit a fire. And we have to look at, when we look at stress, I look at stress. Uh, there's two different types of stress I like to look at. One is distress and eustress. Distress is so much stress that the system collapses, right? Or it harms the system. The long-term impact of that stress actually diminishes the health of that system. When we talk about the human body, we could talk about economics, we could talk about any type of system. Eustress is, a, is a, an appropriate dose of stress that allows the system to be even better on the backside. So uh, uh, distress might be, I haven't trained in a month, and I'm going to go do Murph. That's dumb. That's really dumb. Anyone who thinks that's a good idea is, is naive, right? Um, and if they get rhabdo, okay. But if you go, look, I haven't trained in a month. I'm going to add in some eustress. I'm going to work up to a set of 10 on back squat, and I'm going to do a set of 10 on pull-ups, do some push-ups. I'm going to do some rotational exercises. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to call it a day. I'm going to experience a little soreness, and then the next day I'll do maybe a little more, maybe even less. You know, I'm going to I'm going to add in just enough stress so the body can adapt well. So there's so you got to really look at that. So if I look at okay, I'm in the city, I'm in the mix you know, and uh, I, I personally am experiencing what I would consider eustress right now. It's a net positive to my, my psychological well-being. It's a, it's a net positive to my business, to uh, my perspective, my ability to connect with people and talk to them, understand where they're at. Now, if I were to stay here uh, long-term, and I start witnessing the, the, the protocols for the public become more and more strict. And now I can't leave the house without wearing a mask. Um, the park is closed. I, uh, I'm not able to get as much sunlight, you know, so on and so forth. It's like now I'm exp and now I'm getting upset regularly because I am experiencing, you know, like wh whatever it is I'm experiencing. And it's like, okay, this is no longer serving me. This is just we're now in a place of distress. Um, and the thing is, most people live in a place of distress. And all we have to do is look at the result. I'm a huge, I'm huge on results. What are the results in your life? Uh, I mean, you, you're probably used to this conversation with training camp for the soul, which is like, mm -hmm. it's like, great. You think you're good at that, but what, how's that playing out in your life? It's like, ah, it's like there's, there's the fantasy and then there's reality and reality is the result. And I like to look at like, you know, what are the results in my life? Are things, have things gone in the direction in which I am intending or are they going in a direction which is unhelpful, you know, not helpful in me reaching, um, you know, what I'm meant to do or having that sense of purpose 
and moving in the direction that I know I should be moving in. Um, and how so do you I gauge, how do you gauge results today and how is that different from maybe five or 10 years ago? Mm. Yeah, the results <clears throat> I was, the results I was focused on a long time ago, let's say five years ago, six, 10 years ago is probably a, a, a bigger, a gap. So we can talk about 10 years ago, 28 years old, couple years in owning a CrossFit gym, all that kind of stuff. Uh, results was uh, more members in the gym, uh, bigger back squats, snatch more weight, clean and jerk more weight. Uh, you know, can you see my six pack and I can squat 500 pounds, whatever. So it was, it was a very narrow band of numbers in which I was focused on. And it's good to be narrowly focused if you want to excel in a, a certain area, that's for sure. Um, but now how I measure results, and I was having a conversation with one of my clients yesterday, and this is like, it's like, I don't feel like I'm progressing. It's like, look, you're building a business, and just because you didn't make mo more money this month than you made last month, you have all these systems in place. You're working less, and you're making the same amount of money, and you're, you've also empowered some of your employees to do really well. So when I look at the results now, is I, the results I look at now is the life. Are you living the life you want to live? And it's like, yeah, am I waking up where I want to wake up? Did, do, am I getting movement every day? Is it easy to breathe? Is it, are my relationships, uh, am, am I experiencing success in my relationships? And of course, you have to define all these things. It's like, yeah, I experience love in every moment. And um, what's my relationship to money? It's like, what am I moving through life with ease? And um, what's my, what's my, my mental state? Um, it's, it's, it, I, I, I forget sometimes to really check in with those results. But just this past weekend, I went to visit a friend and I've got a few of my friends with me and I'm introducing groups of people to each other. And my friend has, he's in great shape. You know, he's, he's 43 years old. He's in great shape. He lives on six acres on top of a mountain. He's got two homes on it. Uh, he's got a garden. He hunts. He does all like, like I look at the results of his life. He's got two kids. The kids are really intelligent and they're very, um, uh, you, you can tell when you talk to them, they like, they own it. You know, they, they, they're, they're very sure of themselves. You know, he, he's, he's raised kids that are, you can put them out in the world and not worry about them, you know? And, and he doesn't. And I, I look at his life. I was like, I was like, I want to learn from that guy. And one of my friends go, why do you want to learn from him? I go, the results. The results speak for themselves. He's every, he's checked all these boxes. He, there may be some part of his life he's not happy with, and that's fine. I don't need to learn from him about that thing. But all these other things, I, I do. It would, be, it would be good to have that conversation with him. So when I look at results, like the way I look at it now, it's a whole life thing. It's like, how's your life look? Is it amazing? And if your life's not amazing, then what are we doing? You know, are we at least moving towards amazing? I love it. Um, that makes me think a lot about having coaches in your life. And I know you have a coach, you've had coaches. 
throughout the years. What What is the value of a coach for you today versus what it was five or 10 years ago? You know, I, I, I love having a coach just like, I know I'm spending X amount of dollars on this coach per month. You know, I, the amount of money I, <laughs> I, I, I really believe in spending the amount of money on a coach that makes you uncomfortable. It needs to be a stretch. Cause if it's not, you'll probably like people do that. I hear this all the time. People are like, eh, coach isn't that good. Or, or like, you know, I've had coaches, but it really wasn't that. I was like, well, what were you spending on that coach? Was, oh, a couple hundred bucks a month. It was like, what percentage of your income is that? Oh, it's like 3% of your income. It's like, you're not on the hook for anything. You, you don't have any skin in the game. I, I think one of the biggest benefits for me personally of having a coach is they need to cost a certain amount of money so that when I show up to the call every week or I, I'm going to do the work, I do it. I actually show up with something to work on um, versus if I was spending just a couple hundred bucks, I'd be like, yeah, you know, whatever. I wouldn't really respect it. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get my attention because I obviously don't value it. And so, um, so just in that one simple thing, it has nothing to do with the coaching it has everything to do with me having skin in the game and making progress and bringing something to the table. Uh, the, the coach, um, the coaches I really enjoy working with are really there to hold nothing you know, they're, they're very much so a reflection. And uh, if there's something there to teach me, they're going to, they're going to, you know, give me a resource, but it's very much sort of like a guide at this point, you know, I'm there, I'm going to get it out. They're going to ask me good questions. I'm going to realize things for myself. They're going to make a suggestion that I do something. I'm going to go away and do it. It's, it's a chipping away. It's really small from week to week. And so uh, I was working with this one coach last year and we had 52 calls, you know, it's like one, one year of coaching, 52 calls, kicked it off with a four hour session on, on day one. I think halfway through we did another four hour session. So we could say I had like 58 or sorry, 60 hours of work between the two of us. And every hour I made a tweak in my perspective. I made, I sat with my emotions. I, I did something that I would not have done without having that coach present in my life. And every week I made a small tweak or I was present to something new. Um, and, and this particular coach has like all sorts of tools. I mean, he can, he works with, I won't even mention the tools, but like he, he's got a, a really good understanding and can help keep, he keeps guiding me and having the bumpers on my life to get me where I want to go. 52 weeks later, 60 hours a week later uh, of work later, and my life looks completely different. There was very few sessions in that year that were like, oh my God, everything's changed. There was a few, there were, there were a handful, but the majority of the sessions were just tiny little one. Let's shift this one degree. Boom. Another one degree. Boom. 60 one degree shifts. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot of shift that happens there. Um, so that that's for, for where I'm at right now in my life. That's the type of coaching uh, that I value the most um, is just those one degree shifts. Yeah. I'm I'm going through the training camp for the soul, which, which you helped 
um, kind of create or, or make what it is today. And at first I wanted to go to a live event, couldn't go to a live event because of coronavirus. And I'm actually really glad that I got pushed into this online format because online events can be amazing, but it's, or in-person events can be amazing, but it's, it's just kind of a one and done. It really is hard to acclimate that back into your life when you get back home. Whereas this is, is that every week meetup and homework and things like that. And I found it to be really effective and I've really enjoyed it. And it's amazing how many times I'll get to the call each week thinking that not a lot has happened. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, wait, all this stuff has, has happened over the past week. And it's, it's really cool. It's really exciting to see that. And um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about Training Camp for the Soul. And, and why do you think, you could talk about what it is, but why do you think so many gym owners and coaches, you know, in the CrossFit space, the micro gym space are drawn to it? Is it just because of you or is it, is it uh, <laughs> other stuff? I don't know. Um, well, here's the thing is um i i think it's a natural progression so the the first step of because what we're talking about here is personal development right yeah. this is i'm actually i'm here to make myself a better person right i mean that's the general that, that's the general consensus we can talk about what it means to be better person and how the, just that idea is kind of weird um but uh when we look at personal development, the easiest thing for the per most people to focus on is the things we can measure with numbers, right? And so most people want to develop either their fitness or their business. So to me, the first step in personal development for most people is fitness. You know, they are like, oh, I want to transform my body people identify with their body and I go, I am my body. If I transform this now, I'll be happy. If I can see my six pack, I'll be happy. If I can squat 500 pounds and everyone in the gym is impressed, then I'll be happy. And then you get the thing and then you're not happy. Um, or you know, whatever. And the same in business. All right. When I finally, when I make six figures a year, then I'll be happy. I remember my early twenties, like, dude, if I could just make six figures, whew, then I'll be happy. You know, hit my 30s, started making six figures, and just going, this is actually not fun. I'm not having a good time. Um, and then it, it doesn't matter. And then I made even more money. It's like, oh, you'd like more of the same. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get more fit. I'm going to stand on more podiums, and I'm going to and I'm gonna make more money. So, like, like, fitness and money are, like, the two big ones, right? It's like, because the money will get you the car and the house. It will impress the ladies and earn you love, and so you think. But then you soon realize like none of this stuff gets me love. Uh, and so um, most people will just stop there. They go, well, this is life. Life is hard. Uh, you know, uh, they, they settle with, I'll never experience the love I've really been wanting to experience. Um, so you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go all in and, and just double down and go for more instead of going further. So you can eat, you can go one of two ways. You can do more, you can go further. And there was a point where I was like, fuck more. I want to go further. And I think that that's where most people, not most, most people that come and train a camp for the soul or they do our, you know, the enlifted program or they do one of these programs is they go, okay, look, I really, I was really attached to the numbers. You know, I did the fitness thing as hard as I could. I, and it didn't, 
give me the results I was really looking for, you know, the feeling I was looking for. I made the money. I had, I got the, the wife, I got the car, I got the whatever. And that didn't give me the feeling I was looking for. I had the feeling for five minutes and then it vanished. So I was like, okay, oh, maybe this mindset stuff that, or personal development or leadership training or whatever you want to call it, you know, maybe that's going to make a difference. You know, I, I'm giving up. And uh, so you go do a program and you're like, oh, wow, that actually made a big difference. You know, can I put a number on it? Maybe not. I think a lot of people, that, I mean, I personally could, could show you numbers that where I or experienced that, but it was not the numbers that were exciting. It was what led to having the numbers that were exciting. Um, and so I, I think that when we look at the different bodies of what it means to be human, you say you have the physical body, you have the emotional body, you have the mental body and you have the spiritual body. And so there's this fixation on the physical um, because it's easy to see. We can touch, we can feel it, we can taste it. Society as a whole holds what's physical on a pedestal. Um, I mean, you can see this as like people put science on a pedestal, right? So we have, we, we don't have like, like way fewer people identify as say Christian these days. Um, but they definitely will identify with someone who uh, pays attention to science and don't realize they're actually not, they're actually practicing something called scientism. So they're treating science as a religion, thinking that they're above religion, but it's really the same thing. And, and it depends on the approach, right? Yeah, the people that always need to study to, to back every single thing. Hey, you need something outside of yourself to validate Look, that's, that's religion. So, and most people want, they, they need someone outside of themselves to tell them that they are good enough or what they're going to do is good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, people who need five studies to support whether they should do something or not, you know, that's part of that. It's like, well, or you could just test it for yourself and validate for yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, so we, we have a whole world where there's this focus on the external, the physical. And so, um, and so it's just easy to start there, you know, and this is, I love fitness. I love, I mean, the more I, the more I do work on my mental, emotional and spiritual body, the more attention I give my body, my, my physical body mm -hmm. and the more in shape and the healthier I become. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to ask you about because as I've dove into training camp for the soul, it certainly gets me thinking about what roles I want to take on in my gym versus what I don't. Um, we, we still own a, a gym, formerly CrossFit gym. Um, but I've noticed that a lot of people that have gone through training camp for the soul or strong coach have actually moved out of it. They've moved out of gym ownership. They've sold their gyms. Right. There are coaches still, but no longer fitness coaches. And to me, it's almost like I feel myself trying to lean into how can I incorporate more of this stuff into this platform rather than I need to get away from this thing to do it somewhere else. Um, and you kind of mentioned those four areas, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So how do you, how do you see that? Why do you think so many people that have gone through those programs move away from the fitness side as opposed to lean into it? Um, well, I, I leaned away from it 
in the beginning. Um, and I think a lot of people are, they get excited about the latest and greatest. So, I mean, you discover something new and now you can't, uh, I got this new diet. You know, I discovered paleo, like, ah, oh, paleo, everything, paleo, paleo, paleo is the answer to everything. CrossFit, CrossFit's the answer to everything, you know? Oh, I got yoga. It's the answer to everything. It's like, it's like, there's just a tendency to, for people to attach to the, the, the last thing that created transformation for them. It's like, well, this is the last thing. It's the best. You know, it's, it's hard to, and it's called, it's called integration. You know, we're able to see the whole picture. You know, I can look at my whole life and go, well, what created who I am now? Well, there's a lot of physical activity and, and nutrition and all that that contributed to the point in which I was able to approach this conversation about mindset and this conversation about the emotional body and spirituality is like, if I didn't have that foundation, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am currently. Would I have gotten, would I have addressed those aspects without it? Maybe. But um, the, the people who I, who I witness that have the strongest spiritual foundation also have a very solid physical foundation. Um, but I think a lot of people, what they do is they attach to the last thing and they meet, they may need to totally disregard the physical practices and the coaching of the physical practices to, um, to, to make a full circle at some point. I imagine in two to four years, a lot of those people will circle back and go, Oh wait, I need to support people physically. Um, uh, and because that's part of a lot of people's path. Um, and knowing that, like I personally have just fallen more in love with physical training than I was before. Like before a lot of my physical training was the solution to a problem. Now my physical training is me expressing love to my body and appreciation for my body. And I want to take good care of it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think a lot of people that, go through training camp for the soul or the, even the strong coach, a lot of people, they want to let go of the physical and they want to get more into life coaching or they want to get more into the psychological or emotional side of things. Um, I think that they likely need to experience more healing there because by just doing the program, 12 weeks, you know, 90 day program, you're not, you're going to experience a lot. You're going to experience a lot of healing. How, how far into it are you? Um, I think it was in module 11 this week. Okay. So, so you're near the end. Yeah. So you, you've had the experience where there's probably had, a, you've probably had a lot of healing yeah. up oh, until yeah. now. Right. So, yeah. and you're going to, you're, what I love about training camp and soul, that program, you're going to experience healing during the program, but we're really teaching you how to be a healer for yourself. So uh, for a lot of people, they may do the retreat or they may do the, the virtual program, all we're offering is a virtual program right now. They may be doing that, but <clears throat> there may be another two, three years of emotional healing to happen. Or, you know, mm -hmm. there, there may be a lot of stuff there they need to move through. And people tend to teach what they're learning. So um, if someone is saying, I don't want to do physical fitness anymore, it, it might mean that they have just a lot of psycho-emotional healing uh, that needs to happen before they can even wrap their head around being able to do that. And in the meantime, as they're helping 
um, you probably notice we have people in the mastery program. So after people do the 90 days, um, there needs to be some, usually there's a gap between to give people that space to integrate before they start getting trained. But you probably notice that people in our mastery program, they're experiencing healing along with, you know, they may be supporting you and your journey, but they're still going, they're going deeper into their own process um, as they go. And um, for two years, I facilitated that work. And I was, I, I don't think there was a session I ever facilitated where I didn't experience even more healing for myself. And so, um, and, and then there was a point in which I was complete with that. And then all of a sudden I find myself being very excited about physical health again, mm -hmm. going, Oh, I, I want to re-engage with this and engage with it in a way that is just way more holistic. Um, and way more enjoyable because where I was coming at it from before was, was, was from a place of not being enough and now coming from it, from a place of, uh, loving myself. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I think we've, we've been making that shift for a while at our gym where um, we've, we've lost that competitive CrossFit type of edge from yeah. us. And like, we just dropped the CrossFit name a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it, it felt easy to do because the evolution was already happening where I could see where a lot of people who do this work, if they're in an environment where it is still that very competitive, let's see how much we can beat ourselves up in a day they just need to get space from that. It's, it seems unfixable in that moment because um, it is going to take a lot of time. As, as we've seen, um, we still battle that daily where people want, you know, we just did Murph this past weekend um, and we still do it, but we prepare people for it and we educate them on how to do it appropriately. And we still like to have challenges throughout the year, but we don't do it as, you know, a way to beat yourself up and rip your hands. I mean, I don't think very few people even rip their hands anymore at our gym because yeah. it's just like, it's not something we celebrate or want people to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's yeah I very... remember um, one of, one of our coaches, uh, Danny, uh, Danny Rios, he's, he's on the strong coach staff. He, he also works for training camp for the soul. He did training camp for the soul a couple of years ago. And I remember walking into his gym after he'd completed the training and they were doing Murph. And as everyone's Running out, he stops everyone right before they go and goes, take care of your bodies. And then said, go. And I was like, man, you don't hear that enough. You don't hear that enough um, in, in gyms and in CrossFit gyms. And I love that that is starting to be a conversation. Right? Instead of running away from it, let's, uh, and away from the community, let's infuse that, that new energy into the community. Yeah, I love that. So you, I feel like you have one of the most unique perspectives on gym owners and coaches in that CrossFit space, that micro gym space. What do you see as either the biggest mistakes, biggest opportunities? What jumps out to you first? And you, you could pick owners or coaches if whatever comes to mind for you. Yeah, um, biggest mistake that owners make is they open a gym for the wrong reason. Uh, most gym owners open a gym. Uh, this is just what I've noticed. You know, I'm not talking about all gym owners here. So if someone's listening, like, well, that's not me. I'm like, well, I'm not talking about you. Of course not. I wouldn't be talking. No way. No way. Pretty easily um, triggered, Mike. So you better watch your words here. <laughs> so uh, a lot of gym owners are unhappy with their life. They're, they don't like their corporate job. 
or they're uh for some reason they think that once they get the gym they love crossfit so now i get to like eat live breathe crossfit every you know that one or two hours a day i spend doing crossfit's the best day it's the best hour of my day mm. and by the way if you're a gym owner that is your job you want to make sure that that's the best hour of your client's day is when they walk in the gym and what ends up happening is people are having the best hour of their day when they're doing CrossFit. You know, they're doing something so physically demanding that finally their mind shuts off yeah. and they get a little bit of relief. And they think that if they open a gym, they're going to keep experiencing that relief. And that's not true. Uh, the moment you open a gym, you, you know, once, once the high wears off, you're going to quickly realize, oh, this is work. This is harder than my corporate gig. Uh, I'm working more hours and uh, maybe I didn't take the time to really look at my relationship to money, my ability to charge people an appropriate amount of money. Um, uh, every time I ask for a sell, I get a sinking feeling in my chest and I want to close off and, and uh, I feel like I'm charging too much and this and this and this. There's so many things that come with gym ownership that people never consider until they're already in it. And the reason they started doing it in the first place was because they wanted to feel better. Uh, and so I would, I imagine that at least 90% of gym owners are in this position. And then a year, two years, three years in, they experienced burnout. And then they, and part of burnout is where you start experiencing where you actually, uh, you, you are experiencing frustration and frustration is a, is a subtle little word for anger. And who are you angry at? You're angry at you. You know, if you're frustrated, that's, that's anger at yourself normally. And you're angry at yourself because you put yourself in this position and, but you're going to take it out on your members. You're going to start resenting your members. Like you don't mm -hmm. even want to see them. Um, or you start dreading going to the gym or you're dreading meeting with gym members and, or, you know, someone bothers you or this or that. And so um, these are the really common things I see with gym owners. Um, and um, I also think that like the majority of the, 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 the majority of the clients I work with are coaches that are not gym owners. And I, I do wonder as I'm talking now, I do wonder if because of my messaging and the way I speak about it now, it may be a, a pretty big gap for gym owners and it's like it might be a little hard hitting and that's why they may not be attracted to working with us um but it, it's it's rare most of most of our clients are online coaches at this point we do have some gym owners though so when you when you think about and this could be either a, a person who's a coach who's in a corporate job that thinks they might want to open a gym this might be a coach who thinks they might want to be open a gym. This might be a gym owner who's in a situation right now with COVID that actually they feel like they might have a way out if that's the way they, way they want to decide to go. So how do you, in your own life or recommend to others, people evaluate like new projects or new directions in your life? Because I know you've had a lot of yeah. starting and ending of projects and key relationships and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I like to think about what does success look like in the end? You know, I'm going to start a project of like, well, if this project is successful, what is that like? Can I put that down on paper? Can you write down what success looks like? Most people can't. 
you know, yeah. and, and in detail too. How much money is it bringing in? How much money are you making? How many clients are you serving? How many hours a day are you working? Where are you living? How, many vac how much vacation are you taking? Most gym owners never think about that. Most people that start a business never think about that. And then they're shocked on why they're never happy. And it's like, well, you never even, it's, it's, like, it's like telling, a, a, I, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. All right, well, we're never going to assess what that takes, but we're going to get you there. Like, it makes no sense. But that we do that in our business and expect a different result. Yeah, most, most gym owners are, are charging an amount where even if they get to the number that they think they want, it, it is actually put them in a worse position, not a better position. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How big of that does, how big does that aspect play? I mean, you mentioned with your own, when you look for a coach, you look for someone that is basically going to charge you enough money to make it, um, make you follow through and make you do the work. Yeah. Um, how important is that for the coaches and gym owners that you talk to and advise? hundred percent, man. Like it, it, the money conversation, like I've been, I've done, it's been so long since I've done that work and, I'm, and that work never ends by the way. But like, the, the more I get into that conversation, the more comical it becomes for me, where it's like, it's so obvious. And I say comical and that it's just like, for people who can't see it, it's, it's been a long time. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Forget about that. Is I, I just, <laughs> I just remember training uh, gym owners and uh, charging, you know, maybe it's a thousand dollars or something for a program or whatever. And they're just like a thousand dollars, you know, I'm like, well, what do you charge your clients? You know, like, you know, 125 bucks, 200 bucks a month or whatever. And it's like, it's like, but I feel, but if you talk to them about even what they're charging their current clients, they feel bad about it. Like their relationship to money is just so poor um, generally. Um, and that, that until you, until you put attention on your relationship to money, like it's just going to suck. Um, and uh for a coach to not have a coach is um, you're out of alignment. You you're like, ah, you know, I, I, I don't need a coach to be successful in business. Like, yeah, but you're asking, you're telling, you're turning around telling people that for them to be successful in fitness, that uh, they need a coach. And, and if we sit down, we have a conversation. I say, if you really want to get good at fitness, you would have a coach, right? Like, that's the best way. It's not reading book. Would you read a book to get fit? Like, oh, it's like how many? I read ten books on fitness. You know, I'm gonna be super fit. It's like maybe, probably not. Um, what's way more effective? Paying a coach. If you hire a fitness coach, you're gonna get in way better shape, way faster than I don't care how many books you read. And there's always exceptions to the rule, but they're rare. And uh, so it's like, why would a coach think that they don't need a business coach? to be successful in business. And I operate my, look, there's coaches for everything. Um, I worked with a sex coach in the last year. I'm like, I want to get better at sex. All right, cool. So sex coach, let's do this. And the methods in which we got there were not what I thought they'd be. They never are, you know? Like the thing that's holding me back in that part of my life is, is counterintuitive, you know? It's like, oh, it's probably some emotional thing or some type of this or that. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not a technique, you know. Um, so, or, you know, sometimes there's techniques involved. But <laughs> uh, same thing happens in business, you know. You talk to the gym owners or you talk to coaches and so um, you, 
I go talk to the successful coaches, talk to the successful gym owners. And they did something. They hired somebody at some point. Um, and so for me, it's, it's an integrity thing, you know, for me to be integrity as a coach, if I want to make more money, I'm going to spend more money on my coach. And that's, that's how I operate. And that's just what I've seen work. And, you know, uh, maybe, maybe my reason or my explanation for, for doing it is inaccurate, but I know that when I do a, and when I do a and B, I get C. So I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, what I'm hearing from you when you talk about coaches is that it, it's, it bridges that gap from just like learning and absorbing something and forcing you to take some action, which is, it's really hard to do. And, um, in the, in the world that we live in today, there's no shortage of knowledge. It's who's going right. to take action. That's going to really see results. And it's, it's fascinating to me. And I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. It's like, in, there's so many important areas of our lives, like for me, parenting, relationships, uh, money, uh, time, emotional health, and how often I don't have a coach for some of those areas. Um, and you, and it's almost looked at as a, a bad thing, right? If you're, if you need a therapist or you have, you have to go see someone, you know, for your relationship, a ther you know, therapist for your relationship. It's seen as still a, a negative thing, I would say, in our society as a whole, maybe differently in California. Um, but it is it's, different here. Yeah. I, I think as a general rule, even Florida is more progressive than the rest of a lot of the rest of the United States. And it's still seen, I would say, more taboo than it is as like a positive as a coach more so than you're, you're mitigating a, a problem that's already existing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I run in circles where we talk about our therapists and our coaches all the time. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you know, I was working with my therapist and da, da, da. it's like, it's normal. It's like, it's like, Oh, you don't have one weird. Okay. Um, and, uh, it's, I think it's becoming more normalized and I actually think that's one reason why the coaching industry is booming right now is because, uh, therapy is associated with something being wrong where coaching is one of those things where, uh, for, for a lot of people, they're not associating that term with something being wrong. They're like wanting to optimize. I'm like, so if I'm already in good shape and I hire a fitness coach, they're going to get me in better shape, you know? And so it's like, oh yeah, a coach. But like the, the word therapist, I think a lot of times gets associated with, uh, with, you know, oh, there's something wrong with me. And, but, but there's nothing wrong with me. I just, you know, I need a little help in this area. So I'll hire a coach. So it's so like, even though a lot of times the tools are very similar. So that leads me into something I want to ask you about, which is your thoughts on, on a victim mindset. And I see it a lot, especially on social media right now in all different types of topics that are going on in the world today. Um, and how people can see themselves as a victim and even someone could, who could come to help that person could actually worsen the problem more so than facilitate, help facilitate that person to uh, better themselves and create a solution. What yeah. are your thoughts when you think about sort of that victim mentality? Yeah. So like uh, the best way to make a victim more of a victim is to save them, you know, because a victim needs a hero, you know, you gotta get, get, there's a victim, there's a villain, and then there's the hero, you know, you got this trifecta going on mm -hmm. and uh, nobody's a villain, you know, but, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I'd be willing to bet there's a few people out there that I've, I've somehow playing the role of the, the villain. Uh, but uh, yeah, that we have a lot of, man, that's a big topic. So, so, so here maybe the question is how do you, how do you coach someone out of being a victim versus be the hero that's facilitating them being a victim? Right. Right. So like, uh, in order to make sure you're not stepping into the hero position and you're actually going to help the victim climb out of their own victim mentality is really, it's about holding space for them. Um, there's, uh, the way I like to look at it is there's nobody to save. I'm not here to save anybody. Um, they, they can only save themselves. And uh, the worst thing we can do for someone else is to save them from their apocalypse. Uh, people need to hit the rock bottom. And, you know, everyone's rock bottom is different. And some people's rock bottom will fucking kill them. Um, and that's just, you know, it, you know, that happens a lot with uh, drug use, um, you know, uh, or someone who gets so depressed that they end up committing suicide. But the, the thing is, is um, we can only if you're going to end up stepping in to save them, you can only keep putting off the inevitable. And the more we put it off, just like the pain conversation we were having before, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So my responsibility as a coach is to. Uh, point out, help them see where they're being a victim. And it's, it's, it can be a really, it can be abrupt. It can be rough. Uh, some coaches are better at being gentle about it than others. Uh, I was just doing a podcast with a woman who, like, we were talking about the same thing, but her approach was just so gentle and like helping people see things differently. And I'm just like dropping the hammer, you know? And, or if you, if you were to work with, Back when I was facilitating with a knot, a knot's got this soft feminine approach and like, and she would, could be hard, but like I would step in and we could tell the person who was just not willing to look at it. And I was like, here's the mirror. I'm going to show you, I'm going to pull the mirror out and I'm going to shove it in your face because you paid me to. Um, and so, yeah, in, in that situation is, um, helping helping people see where they're being a victim and i really like using uh length like it, it's very difficult to help someone see that until you've dialed in the language game well, i'll say this it's it's hard for me to get people to see that until i've got them that's my tool so my tool for being able to my mirror that i use for people is language so when i'm working with somebody we set a foundation for language and what words mean we talk about, we use uh, the vocabulary um, foundation, affirmations, negations, soft talk, solid talk, um, projections and reflections. And especially when it comes to being someone, if someone's in a, in a victim mentality, really the projections and reflections and also negations and affirmations are really, really powerful for getting them to see like, well, the way you're talking about it, you're actually projecting your experience out onto somebody else, so on and so forth. Um, it, it's, uh, I normally don't talk about this subject too much because it can get very conceptual unless you have a very specific example and you go, oh, okay, 
this is a very specific example of someone who who's using yeah so something i thought about is like um exaggerated language like oh my god this is tearing me apart inside and 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 it's like, okay, is it tearing you apart? Or what are you actually feeling? Like, what is yeah. the sensation? Like, let's drill it down. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, I think that, uh, so the, to a degree, that's a very subtle uh, victim, victim mentality. And by the way, we all suffer from victim mentality. If anyone's like, I'm completely free of victim mentality, I'm like, you're full of shit. Because I, I get called out, on, you know, my friends call me out. They won't say, hey, Mike, they sound like a victim right now. But they, we're all speaking a similar language, and they're like, "Do you mean this or do you mean that?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" You know, I, I was really gave away my power right there. Um, so, um, the biggest one that is going to be easy for people to notice is projections. So when we're just blaming other people for our our situation, it's somebody else's fault. Um, it's really spot, easy to spot a projection because it involves a pronoun. He, she, they, them, somebody's name, and they're the problem, you know? And so when people start pointing at someone else as the problem, um, that's, that's a projection, and they're putting themselves in this position of victim, which, which basically they're just giving the power to somebody else. Yeah, even, you could even be right as, in essence, yet you're giving away your power in right. that, that moment. Right. Yeah. It, 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 I'm not saying that they're inaccurate, but if you want to remain a victim in that position, if you want to, it like, uh, being right about a projection is a trap. It's like, they're doing this and it's causing me this. It's like, you may be right. You may be accurate. I like using the word accurate. Because uh, that's a, that's a little bit easier to move around than being right. Um, you may be accurate, uh, however, it's in, disempowering. You, you, there's nowhere for you to go when when that's true. Um, let's let's say I and remove it back, make it a reflection. Let's let's re remove that that they or he or she and replace it with an I. Bring it back to reflection. Is that still accurate? Yes or no? If it's accurate, then you, you're like, I love watching that on someone's face. Is if it's accurate, there's like, there's that, oh shit moment. Like, oh, I created this. Or they go, well, it's not accurate. Well, what would be more accurate? How can we use reflection language? What are you doing? What can you do? I was like, oh, well, now that I'm in this place of reflection and I'm, and I'm completely removing the other person from my language, uh, in this situation, I now am in a place, I'm empowered to, to make it different, to change the situation because it's inaccurate. And it, it takes the focus off of what someone else is doing. It puts the focus on what we're doing or what we can do. I love it. Um, I want to wrap things up here, but I wanted to talk about um, kind of the four projects that I think you're involved in, which is vocabulary and lifted training camp for the soul and the strong coach. Um, I remember when we, we met years ago, um, you had made kind of an offhanded comment of read the untethered soul. Like that was my starting place to kind of open my, my mind to this, this new world of things. Where do you recommend people start? They're listening to this. 
they're a gym owner and a lot of this stuff is like new for them feels very like woo woo like where do you start and and maybe there's different situations with that um i mean the untethered soul is so good i i, I call that consciousness 101 um you know it's 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 such a good you can't go wrong with it right it's once you read it you you think differently um I mean, really, here's the thing is if someone who ever wants me to coach them, they go, Mike, I get this, I get this question at least once a month. It's like, what's one-on-one -on -one coaching cost for you? Like, I'm like, yeah, you can't afford it. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, I tell you, it's like the prerequisite is training camp for the soul is I, I really am not as interested in working with someone on one-on-one -on -one personally, unless they've done that work, because that's the highest leverage thing that someone can do. And if I were to take them on before that, I'd be doing them a disservice. So that's, that's number one. Um, I'm trying to think of some books right now. Uh, you know, and, and that, that's an investment. It's a, it's, a, it's a money investment and it's a time investment. And most people want to start with something that's a lower barrier to entry into the conversation. Um, I can tell you from my experience in training camp for the soul, I mean, it's definitely an investment, but for what you get in 90 days and the amount of one-on-one -on -one attention you get, it's it's one of the cheapest things I've ever done as it relates to personal development. I mean, I've done, I've spent a lot of money on that side of things and it's it's more than paid for itself. I feel like anything now is just bonus. I feel like I have to pay more now so I can get in your mindset where I have to step up and earn these last few weeks. Um, but it's just, it's an amazing value. And, and I feel like that is, almost giving you like a blank slate to work from rather than having so many patterns running your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that work allowed me to clear the most space in order for me to create, you know, from scratch, you know, in a way. And I, I couldn't even imagine what that meant until I did the work. And then I was like, Oh, okay. This is what it means to hold nothing. Uh, so um, uh, I, you know, I, I'm searching the mind for more, for more recommendations, but really, the un, you know, anything, Michael Singer, untethered soul, the surrender experiment. Um, they're just good starting points. Uh, I mean, I, I have some books that I'll just destroy people. I don't, and I don't like recommending them cause they're just, um, they're a little heavy, but you know, well, yeah, let me ask you this, this, this question. If someone has if someone has a specific topic in which they want to learn about, feel free to DM me on Instagram because I answer all my DMs, and uh, it, it's it's very difficult for me to make blanket recommendations. You know, uh, so it may for one person it might be a Brene Brown book, you know, something mm -hmm. more on self love. It it may be for someone who really wants to go down a heavy in, intellectual conversation around enlightenment. I might recommend, you know, another book. It really depends on where the person's at. Cool. Um, well, we'll wrap up there, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time. It was great catching up with you. Yeah, man. Thanks, Thanks for having me. All right.